have tuned in to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, January 6th. Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated and Pete Sampson from The Athletic. Uh, more than a week removed now from Notre Dame's victory over Iowa State, and we've completely turned the page from that. A lot of personnel news, uh, guys staying, guys going, and then, of course, a lot of talk about uh, the assistant coach situation. Offensive coordinator need a defensive um, not necessarily a defensive backs coach, but another defensive coach with Todd Light leaving. And, of course, we knew about Chip Long in advance. Guys, uh, let's start with the guys that are staying, the guys that are going. The guys that we know are staying are Ian Book, Adeogundeji, who we didn't expect him to make an announcement because we assumed all along. I swear that he had said in interviews that, like, I had asked him. And he yeah, said but he didn't sure on senior day, so that's why oh. we followed up on but, that one. And yeah. we haven't heard from Tommy Kramer and Liam Eikenberg, but they're offensive linemen, and we assume that they're coming back, and there's no Eichenberg reason to said think. he was coming back. No, I know. He yeah. said it. So did Cole Komet. Right. That <laughs> little, little different. Well, uh, one had, of them has nowhere to go. Yeah. When you had a conversation yeah. with him in Orlando, I yeah. think you knew at that point. Right. But at the time... When he said it in, was it early November? It may have been it was October. Early November. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Ian Book staying. Uh, most Notre Dame fans are pleased with that. Uh, Tommy Kramer, Liam Eikenberg, Dalen Hayes, we already knew. Gundeji. We haven't heard about Sean Crawford. I'm sure that's going to take the NCAA's right. approval. That may take till August or so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's been practicing a lot. <laughs> He's pretty far down the road with like Notre Dame in terms of getting courses. No, yeah, yeah. no yeah. doubt. It's no doubt. So, so Notre Dame fans can start. We've said this before. They That's can only count on the lineup. Yeah, it's a technicality. Leaving Cole Komet, which we anticipated as it got closer to it, and, and Pat Fryermuth, the uh, tight end from Penn State, announced that he was coming back. So it was an easy decision for Komet. Tony Jones Jr., we never really were positive about what he would do. And then, and then when he announced, then he went, yeah, well, then he went 84 <laughs> yards and. It seemed like the natural thing for him to do. And Ludwig Gilman, of course, was always leaving. Was always yes. leaving, yeah. yep. Uh, yeah, no surprises from that group, really. It's um, just a wish, <laughs> unfulfilled. Yeah, I feel like if if there was one that could have broken the other way, it was Comet returning. That's probably the the closest one that I would come to to say like oh, I could have seen that going the other way. Um, there, there's nobody that's returning that I could have seen leaving, um, nor could I have seen Gilman returning. And then I get well, maybe Tony Jones is the cut line guy, but. I just don't. He's really so know. logical that he left, though. There's yeah. no reason. I wrote after the USC game, he should leave. He's right. Like, Isn't it funny how it no became? Is it how it became so logical all of a sudden? Yeah. I guess an 84 yard run kind of does that for for us. But yeah, I think that um, Irish Sports Daily had something with him where he was. He basically said, "Like, look, I know people don't think I'm fast, so let's just get on with it. Like, I'll run the 40. We'll we'll right, see." Right. Right. Um, yeah, we under- he wasn't going to get any faster. No, and we underestimated. Or healthier. We underestimated right. him as a player. I mean, five 100-yard rushing games. We underestimated him as far as what his decision would be. It was like you're including we, Brian Kelly in the we. I hope because I, I mean, during the year, he's like, look, we know what he's not. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no Adrian Peterson. Like Tony Jones is like maybe maybe he can be a, a third down back in the league, uh, help on special teams a little bit. He knows all that. So he's good at all that stuff. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, he, he's definitely going to be an undrafted free agent. Right. He's better at yeah. all that stuff than he is as a running back, a pure running back. Yeah, Dan's, our guy Dan Shanka from Our Lads, or our guy that we now use uh, on Irish Illustrated, really likes him. He knows he's not going to be a lead back. He's almost positive he's not going to get drafted, which he's not going to. There's a lot of good running backs that don't get drafted yes. in the NFL, but he'll get an opportunity. And he's a guy that, 
because he can block, because he can catch, um, you know, it gives him a chance. It's still going to be difficult because when you run a four, five, whatever, four, six, whatever. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not higher I mean, than High four sixes, right? Uh, it's in the four sixes, I would yeah. say, yeah. He had no better option, though, than to leave because he's not going to get, he's as healthiest. He's got a series of ankle yes. injuries. Running backs always get wear and tear on them. He's there's just as the same running back by committee is going to happen next year. If he comes back, he gets what two more carries a game with one more pass thrown to him. It's not that big of a deal. And well, he could lose. He could significantly lose carries next year, right? Because they'll actually trust other people more. Right. But going for Tony Jones makes no. I mean, is the only choice. But also, there's no way Notre Dame's Lance Taylor, Brian Kelly. And the new offensive coordinator are going to lament the loss of Tony Jones because, first of all, they don't play Wisconsin in game one, which you would be like, oh, well, we could use Tony Jones that game. Sure. And number two, if you can't replace Tony Jones, as we hey, like to say on the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast, what are we really doing here? Right? At the Notre Dame program. No, Come it's on. true. And it, and it, yeah. it I mean, it, it to some extent could have stunted the growth of the other guys, and they need those guys to grow at running back. Uh, we haven't mentioned Javon McKinley, and we still don't know, although we're not anticipating. Especially with this chronic news. Yeah, right? I, I got word that he would come back, but I also took that as guys that maybe say I want to come back to someone doesn't mean they're coming back and are going to be approved to come back and let back on and there's room for them. I mean, I you know, people, like I, I was told that he was leaving and that never changed from I, the people I talked to, but apparently maybe he told somebody that he was interested in coming back. Yeah, but and I don't, you know, his I don't think mis- a giant desire for him to be back from the staff, but they'd take him if they had 85 players. Like, Chip Long, there was no chance he was coming back, right? That that was not a marriage. Uh, I don't know about Yeah, I don't know if they had anything to do yeah. with, like... I meant Chip pitch. looking at him, not him and Chip. No, no I, I think, think he would have, yeah, he would have he brought him back. He was I, sort of independent of an individual coach. I just, I mean, the, the reason he was leaving is because he didn't want to come back. You know, it, that, it was just like, I'm ready to be out of South Bend and do something and else. I, well, I mean, it sounds like he's ready to be done with football, right? I mean, I'm not sure that he's thinking grad transfer. I think he's just graduating, moving on with his life. It's okay to do that, yeah. you know. I mean, we sometimes we act like that. It's it's you have okay to play for, until you're dragged off the field. Yeah, you know, I, it, it's it's okay to do that, and uh, I guess we'll see with that. But um, as far as the, the coaching search, I I think it would be fair to say that the process is further along with selecting a defensive coach. Than an offensive coach, it's easier too. Well, yeah, no, it's yes, it's it's easier. I mean, would you agree with that, Pete? Uh, that the process is maybe a little bit further along defensively it's a lot less than offensively. Complicated. Yeah, that's yeah by easier. That's what I meant. Less yeah, complicated. then yes, I w- I would agree with that because it's you could do a couple different things. Um, you're not probably going to have to spin a title to make it happen for somebody the way that maybe you would if you're going to uh, shoot a little bit higher at offensive coordinator or offensive assistant or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, I, I and there are some obvious candidates, too. I mean, Jeff Burris has done good work. Um, that, you know, in, in hindsight, maybe that should have been the move that was made maybe all along. It, maybe it should have. You wonder they, if there... Those were the finalists. Right. You wonder if there's any hesitation pulling the trigger on another former player since the previous two didn't work out great for you. I doubt it. But I, I doubt it. Mainly because it's Jeff Burris. Um, that's an option. There's several options. Let's start on the defensive side, and we'll get to Harry He stand and, and all that. Um, Tom Loy mentioned Christian Parker. Um, 
who was at Notre Dame yeah. a couple years ago. I I did you know him that. at all, Pete? Nope. I, I didn't. I did not know him. Um, he's at. Uh, he's with the Green Bay Packers, a defensive quality control. He was a defensive analyst at Texas A and M, uh, and he was a defensive analyst at Notre Dame in 2017. He would seem to me to be the guy that's kind of a, a emerged, or one of the guys that's emerged. Although I think Jeff Jeff Burris is certainly in play there as well. I I guess I'm not a I'm not in love with a first time coach. Um, I think he was at William and Mary as he a was. as a full time position. <laughs> I would barely count that. Um, I would like somebody with at least group of five experience. Um, I would agree. I think I think he has the support of of Clark Lee. Well, it's, I mean, via Mike Elko, obviously, yes. right? Yes. Um, you know, if he's getting recommended, then great. That, um, I, you know, it's because I think Nick Lazinski is a really attractive hire who has even less experience than Christian yeah. Parker. So, you know, maybe I'll walk back from the importance of experience in that offensive coordinator. Obviously, that could also be a uh, highly inexperienced hire. It's, um, I don't know, it's... Uh, the the cornerbacks coach, if they hire a cornerbacks coach, I would rather them go young. I'm not sure if they if going that young is the way to go, but I don't know much about Christian Parker beyond his resume, which is which is a bit light. Um, you wrote a story on Nick Lazinski. I'm not sure that everybody knows who that is. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's, they, a, he's they a great. Have yeah, no, he's through a, the Louisville game, right? You know, <laughs> he's a uh, he's a great. Well, that's true. He worked with the linebackers. He's a, He's a, a, a graduate assistant. He was a walk-on at Notre Dame. Um, he was a graduate assistant assistant under Bob Diaco at UConn. Uh, Matt Bayless speaks highly of him. I'm basically reading from the story, Pete, that you wrote about him in the spring. So why don't you take it from there? Yeah, it's I mean Notre Dame family. Uh, his brother's a walk-on right now, or you know finished up being a walk-on. It's I don't think how many, it was like a half dozen family members had gone through Notre Dame, um, was going to do lacrosse at Holy Cross, was on his visit there during the monsoon Michigan State game, uh, and was out at a sort of recruiting visit party and was in just a terrible foul mood because Notre Dame was losing. Uh, and then he left the party and like watched the end of the game through a window it. outside of a dorm. And he saw, he saw he saw Terrell Lambert yeah. return. Uh, yeah, he saw Terrell Lambert's uh, pick six from like looking in through a window in like shrubbery outside of a dorm. Uh, and then when he got to Notre Dame, told Terrell Lambert that like he was the reason he was there. Um, high, I mean, he's basically like a young Clark Lee to me uh, in terms of his uh, sort of, I don't know, kind of the Clark Lee is a big sort of shared pride what's best for the unit, um, selfless personality. Uh, Nick Lozinski is the same way. If you talk to younger linebackers who have worked with him or their parents, they all rave about Lozinski. Um, you know, excellent communicator. Would love to stay at Notre Dame. I, I would not be surprised if he stayed at Notre Dame even if he wasn't hired into a full-time role as well, like think, an analyst or something. I think somebody's going to snag him yeah. if Notre Dame doesn't. He would prefer to stay, um, but... I think a year ago, um, he was uncertain about coming back to it from from UConn at that point because he'd sort of run the clock on GAs and he's married, has two young kids. Um, you got to make some money at some point. Yeah. Um, so it's, if there's a full time job out there, I would. Yeah, I think well, he was hire for somebody. He was at Lafayette when yeah, Clark right. Lee. It was yeah. Lafayette when Clark Lee 
I know we all end up forgetting of the stories that we wrote yeah. because there's so many stories. But he was at he was at Lafayette when Clark Lee talked him in the coming back. It's interesting. Nobody cares about this, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I start putting two and two together and realize that I knew his uncle when his uncle was a student at Notre Dame and he was working in a football office helping with the recruiting process. We're talking now about 1985. Um, and so, yeah, it, it wasn't his dad. His dad was Greg yeah. and... and uh, and Tommy Lozinski was his uncle. So I've known, <laughs> I didn't realize that, but I've, I've known part of the family for quite some time. One thing we didn't mention when you said it's a little easier to see things happening in the, with the cornerbacks, I mean, Nick Lozinski could continue, could be promoted to coach Notre Dame's linebackers, and their linebacker coach is a pretty good coordinator that could coach the cornerbacks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. That, and, I mean, Lozinski's not your typical GA either. I mean, when he was making the decision to come back uh, to Notre Dame, it was under the premise of, like, I need to be sort of an assistant linebacker's coach uh, to make this work. And, th- and that's how it's been. And I think, look, look, we would all say that the linebacker development this year was probably one of, if not the story of Notre Dame season. I think it was the story. Of yeah, well, I mean, it, it, by they were better bef- than the year before. Before. <laughs> before September was over, it wasn't even a question yeah. anymore. And by, yeah. the, and by the end of the Louisville game, it was a serious question. Yeah. I mean, if they sort of like – that was as the first two series were happening. You're like, oh boy, um, <laughs> you'd have traded anything, yeah. And to then, get a linebacker and then boom, point. it yeah. gets sorted out uh, live as it's happening. Lazinski had a ton to do with that. Even if he's just communicating what Clarkley is telling him to communicate, right. yeah. you're getting the point across no, no, in no. a very hot moment. Um, so um, I know the name that Mike Mickens has come up. It's because he played for Brian Kelly at Cincinnati. Which makes for a good story, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure that he's going to end up being the guy. So I mean, we're looking at. We're looking at. I think Christian Parker, Jeff Burris, uh, Demetrius Martin from Arizona. I don't. I don't know that that's a realistic name, um, but it's a guy that Clark Lee worked with when he was at UCLA, which was, you know, nine years. Year, nine, yeah, nine, nine years ago. Um, I'm just trying to look before we hop over to the offense. I, th- I think that's where we are with that. Um, the name Joe Moorhead, uh, when he was fired by Mississippi State a few days ago. Uh, he became I, a part of my Twitter feed. He became forever. a big Joe. Joe Moorhead did a tremendous job at Penn State. He did a tremendous job at Fordham uh, as a head coach, took over a program that was 1-11, and and then he went 38-13. and or something like that. End up at Penn State. Scored 41 a game, number six in the country at Penn State in 2017. Had a good running back. Had a really, really good running back. Um, but really took advantage of him. We watched some film of them now. I mean, I really think that he's a guy. You know, we talk about RPOs, but really a lot of what Notre Dame was doing, for whatever reason, was just was was read option. I'm not sure a lot of that stuff included the third option in the RPO, whereas I think Joe Moorhead does a lot more of that. Joe Moorhead would be a grand slam hire for Notre Dame. I agree. In my opinion. And I was texting with a national media member who who knows Moorhead a little bit. And basically was not, he said, one, not a huge ego guy, which is important yes. if you're going to collaborate with, with Reese and sort of be on you know a similar level to a co-OC for Reese. Uh, and then, then Joe's like he's a Catholic guy from Pittsburgh. He would crawl to South Bend if the opportunity. Central opens. Catholic. Yeah, they have players on a team from his high right. school. I mean, <laughs> I, th- I think that would be an awesome opportunity for 
Notre Dame and for Tommy Reese because uh, like Moorhead's not going to be you know similar to like a David Cutcliffe if you would hired him right. in 2005. And for, and for Brian Kelly, if he wants to maintain the, the yeah. C as he goes, as he moves towards retirement, to be able to maintain that CEO role, Joe Moorhead would uh, totally allow for that. If it, would, it was Moorhead, Clark Lee were your coordinators, Notre Dame would have one of the top two or three coordinator pairings in the country. It's also a good wow. opportunity, and there aren't many, for Joe Moorhead. Because yeah. he's been a head coach in the SEC, and where do you go now? As an offensive coordinator, you don't want you, you don't want to take a step back in your career, but offensive coordinator for Notre Dame at this point is not a massive. I mean, well, you're, you're no longer a head coach, so you, you're you're take offensive coordinator Notre Dame for two years because we all know it'll be two or three years. That's what happens with every offensive coordinator. Or go coach a MAC team. Offensive coordinator for two years gets you back where you want to be too. Absolutely, and I don't know. You know, I mean, he took a gamble going down to Mississippi State, but you understand why he took that gamble. But sure. I mean, I had a fine job. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he was weird, over. He was weird deal down there. Yeah, yeah. he was over five hundred. But he, you know, he had the situation with the quarterback getting hurt on the practice field because somebody punched him in preparation for the bowl. Um, I, I know also probably won't happen another day. No, probably yeah. not. And there were also some. There was also about. I mean, like what his family was going through when they were struggling, and nobody wants to hear that. I get all that stuff, but head coach. At Mississippi State and the SEC and coordinator Notre Dame are two different things. I think he'd be a good match. I think he probably looks at Notre Dame as a really, really good match for him. Um, I think it's a it's really a huge opportunity if Notre Dame can make it work. Now, there's a couple snags there. He's quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator. Brian Kelly doesn't want to get rid of Tommy Reese. Would would Joe Moorhead be flexible enough to coach the tight ends and be the offensive coordinator? I don't know. I've talked to a bunch of people about this. Can you name a good tight ends coach? You mean that? No, I mean, somebody, I mean somebody who's known, like a yeah, master right. of tight end technique. No, no, it's, no it's but what's your, what's your of, point yeah. by that? that? That it doesn't exist. So just have Joe Moorhead coach the tight ends. They'll be fine. And then have him be OC. No, but he has to be, he has to be agreeable to that. Yeah. He also probably has to be agreeable to coming in and not being able to bring a coach with him. Yes. And that could be a problem as well. Could be. Could he has be. to be agreeable to that, though. That's, I mean, you don't get to pick. You, maybe, he was maybe, fired. You maybe don't get to pick all your and next Maybe moves. he's saying Brian Kelly has to be agreeable to me bringing in my offensive line coach. I'm just saying. I don't. <laughs> who is that again? Okay. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, that, that's a, there are a bunch of potential hang-ups. I mean, he could come in here and be like, I don't like this Tom Reese guy. Well, okay, bye. You know, that's that's not going to work either. I just think it's, if I was Brian Kelly, I would get him on the phone. I would get him to South Bend and be like, can we make this work or not? Let's find out. That's it. Next time we all talk to Mike Denbrock, I'm going to mention your uh, tight ends coach comment about naming a great tight ends coach. So there was. <laughs> I mean, it's like pretty much yes. like anyone who was at Notre Dame over the last 20 right. years, they did a good you could job. say, hey, great tight ends coach. I, I spoke with an FBS coach this morning and asked him if he had crossed paths with Joe Moorhead, and he said he didn't know him, but... He's watched his offense, and he was impressed by him, too. I mean, just off the cuff. How could you not? No, I, I, yeah. I, I, to, I totally agree. Um, I just want to make sure that we address all the names that have come up here. People have asked about Harry Heastan returning to Notre Dame. Harry Heastan Sorry. left Notre Dame. He chose to leave Notre Dame two years ago to go to the NFL. Yeah, he, after I, I, after an award-winning season, he's not coming, we've all talked to people. He has no not, interest in returning. No, he's not coming back to Notre Dame. He's probably he's not returning to college football. Correct. 
Um, yeah, it's not a Notre Dame thing. It's a college football thing. He would pretty good yeah. chance yeah. he doesn't coach anywhere next year and just cashes checks from the Chicago Bears. His his daughter will be a senior at St. Joe High School locally. Um, spend time with his family, then he can get back into yeah. it afterwards. Yeah, I think that there's an offensive line coaching job for him in the NFL. I don't know what it is. Actually, I kind of thought it might be the Redskins. I don't know if that position was actually filled or not because we've been chasing a lot of other leads uh, with this. But, um, no, that's not going to happen. Um, uh, could could Brian Pulliam be the tight ends coach? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know that that's going to happen. That was just something that was floated my way. I don't have anything to validate that with. Would Mike Denbrock return to Notre Dame? He's a coordinator at Cincinnati. He's the play caller. He's 55 years old. It would be his third trip through Notre Dame. That's That's got to be a – has anybody else done that? Three, three times – three three tours of duty with Notre Dame? I mean, it's just usually a guy would stay. He right. Wouldn't, he wouldn't keep bouncing back and forth, but the game's changed. I don't see that happening. I don't – I no, I don't see that happening, but Mike Denbrock would have to be agreeable to, you know, like being a co-coordinator and teaching Tommy Reese how to – you know. I, Not that it, this matters, but it would be incredibly poorly received. If that was the move. Yes. You demoted him. The offense got better. Yeah, he did. For three let's, years. let's let's clarify. And yeah. I saw that I saw Eric Hansen said that in his story and and that was something we were aware of. He didn't get fired from Notre Dame. He was asked not to be the play caller anymore. Right. And so, so now he chose I don't to think leave. you look and say I want him to be my play caller. And that's a positive step after Chip Long and the offense. Right. It's, it right. Was demoted. Yeah. Right. Um and and he made that choice. Uh, Mark Helfrich, that's just another big name. He was fired right. along with Harry right. Eastan. That's, that's exactly what that a guy, is. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a, another big name, but it's not the, the match that Joe Moorhead would be. Yeah, Munkin from the Cleveland Browns, I think, is somebody worth at least monitoring. Um, that staff just got blown up. Um, the former Notre Dame. Correct. Uh, grad, was he a grad assistant? Yes, and uh, one time Grand Valley State. Coach, which again poorly received yes. um, for, obvi- for obvious reasons, but um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the NFL. More of a quarterbacks guy, um, also a sticking point for you. Yeah, but I mean, he's like he's at Oklahoma State, had some experience there, some head coaching experience with Southern Miss. Um, Grand Valley State was a long, long time ago, and he's had a lot of success. Has not been the journeyman that Brian McGorder was, um, but still, I, I think that if. If Brian Kelly is serious about doing what's best for the program and doing like a national style search to, to come back to Mike Denbrock, even if he is a really good coach, which I think that he is, yeah, that's would just be a very tough thing to sell. I agree. I'd say the common it's not a commentary on his ability to coach. It's just a very difficult move that you didn't feel he was and who do you have worthy to... of leading you into the future. Your future got better than you bring him back. <laughs> who, do, who do you have to sell that to? You're saying that you have to sell it to the fans, me. is what? To you? <laughs> yeah, oh, to, to you? Me, okay, me personally, to logic. Uh, he wasn't uh, good enough I, to lead your team going forward. In your mind, his mind, his good friend who was a successful, strong coach was getting demoted. I'm not disagreeing. You got I'm, better. I'm <laughs> trying to further. Back. I'm trying yeah. to further along the conversation. As, yeah. as, as we know, because we we're all in his post game camping world bowl press conference, he is well aware of things that are said and written. Well, I didn't realize. I. I I didn't realize how well aware of that he was until that either. until that moment. I think we both kind of felt like we were culpable in that situation. <laughs> I um, guess. 
Surprisingly so. Well, yeah, because, and I wrote this afterwards, and I am, I'm, I'm going to say it, I, it was disingenuous of him to do that because he knew darn well they weren't having a good week of practice. He's the one that started the notion. He's the one that put it out there, right? <laughs> As, well, that's not the only one, though. People put it out there through a million back channels while I, we reported they it. They we were wouldn't... not having a good week of practice, and then everybody jumped on me like, did they have a good... No, <laughs> no, they didn't, but they played extremely well. It doesn't normally work that way. But sometimes it does. Remember we talked about that, that it doesn't normally work? Right. Before we knew they were going to play well, it doesn't normally work that way, but sometimes it does, and that's what happened. Yeah. We didn't make it up. This is all an aside from having to sell uh, Mike Denbrock <laughs> or yes. another Grand Valley State assistant as your new OC. <laughs> but um, I, I just that's just a point of thing. I think that they are aware of the temperature of the room. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that's going to make the decision for him because, look, the hair Jeff Quinn, that was an unpopular hire, I think, with the fan base, made it anyway. Um, well, it, and they've gone 23 3 cents. So, okay. Hey, if, if you win, it doesn't matter right. what anybody else says. And then that, what other people say, dies down pretty quickly. This has been a long segment one because of everything we've covered. We'll be back with questions in segment two. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Segment two, burning up the boards of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Kay Beasley. Were there any surprises on the staff with regard to Cole Komet and others? Based on having some numbers, do you foresee any additional grad transfers incoming? And at which positions would Notre Dame consider? Uh, I don't think there were any surprises. No. Um, I was surprised that they, I personally was surprised that they took a grad transfer receiver, though. Um, that caught me a little it bit caught me off, off guard. guard. Yeah. So, could they take another one? Well, I've been surprised once, so I don't know why I wouldn't be surprised again. Well, but I, I just don't. Other than a corner, I'm not sure if I see where one would fit. I don't. Yeah, I don't see where one fits. Corner. If I mean, if you if you can get a Cody Riggs, you're bringing in Cody Riggs. But I do think Notre Dame staff likes their young, not yet developed corners for backup roles, as long as Sean Crawford, Trey Bracy are there. Right. But they have KJ Wallace, Dave Rutherford. We've heard good things of finally. Yep. And they like Cam Hart, clearly. Um, you need one of those three to hit in 2020 definitively. I, we were all, doubt. I think we were all caught by surprise by Ben Skronik, but I, I thought in, in retrospect it made sense because it's a veteran receiver. It's a guy with 110 receptions. Uh, he's a W. And who are your other Ws? Kevin Austin and maybe Javon McKinley if he comes back. Jordan Johnson, inexperienced freshman. Isaiah Robertson? I, <laughs> I mean, what do you... don't expect him to be on the roster. Right. No, I don't either. Yeah. So, I, so I, like, in retrospect, it's like, okay, that makes sense. It's, at least you have, you know, a guy that's that's pretty college savvy already to add to the mix. Notre Dame lost its number one, two, three, and four receivers in terms of first downs, gains of more than 10 yards, third down receptions, and that includes Tony Jones. Tony, it's Chase okay. Paypool, Cole Komet. Chris Fink and Tony Jones. They wow. lost all the production they could. So bringing in a guy that has produced is smart. If Kevin Austin 
can be what we think Kevin Austin can be, this helps even more because he can play along with or behind Kevin Austin. It's not right, like they could, sit there and work out a W and say, you can't go in until Kevin Austin right. comes out. That's not the way right. it works uh, at all. Austin, Austin could play the X. Yeah. It has played the X. Um, Skoranek's not a, I mean, maybe we should talk about him a little bit. He's not a deep threat. He's not a guy that's going to run by a lot of people, but he has great hands. Do you remember, okay, first of all, there's a. it was a play of the day that he made against Iowa where he stretched mm-hmm. flat out. But he also made a great play against Notre Dame. Do you remember that? I do because Pete talked about how that defined Northwestern's game. That's impossible. Everything, it was him. It, it was him. That's the guy. Everything they had to do to possibly make a play to get a first down was done on that play. And that's when you look and think to yourself, that was a great catch. They're going to have to do that 20 more times to score points. So that was, that was like him. Notre Dame Clemson. Yeah. Yes, in reverse. So he's a, he's a really good possession receiver with some length. So I thought it was a good move. It did catch all of us by surprise. But in retrospect, I, I see why they want to do that because – Man, when you look at this, this is a very, very inexperienced group of receivers now, which is... He's better than Freddie Canteen. I can jump yeah, out for people yeah. who are wondering about it's just like It's just like, uh, well, it's not just like. But after 2015, when they had to rebuild the receiving core, they have to do that. Now, the difference is now that they gave playing experience to backups... So guys like Braden Lindsey and Lawrence Keyes at least have some playing experience. Lindsey is in the now logical takes the next step because we've seen it. Well, he has to. Right, but he's <laughs> he logically will or keys you keys you yeah. want to. Lindsey logically should take the next step at this point. He's done stuff. Uh, That's I how tell the world who, sports, I, you know, I tell you football. who, right, uh, who else has to, Joe Wilkins, either, he's got to move now because with, with Watson and Johnson. Jordan Johnson coming in, I mean, it's a big, big spring for Joe Wilkins. Judge Arthur Vandelay, hardest to replace in order, Claypool, Komet, Kareem, or Gilman? Hmm. I guess it's, this is a, a question. If the question is, rank the players who will replace them? I think that's what the question is. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, but I think you also have to keep in mind who, yeah, what they who, brought to who it. fills in. Right. No, that's, a, that's what he's saying. saying. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm saying. sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I think it's hardest to replace a super technically sound pass rusher. Right. But they have Adeogandeja and Dalen Hayes right. there. Yes. Um, okay. So I wouldn't put Kareem one, even okay. though I think he's probably the hardest to replace. Uh, I would put Komet one, Gilman two, Claypool three, Kareem four. I would do Komet one, Kareem four, and I'm just not sure. I think Gilman, because I don't know what they have at all in Houston Griffith. And I, I really like Kevin Austin. Boy, Claypool, though, does a lot. I'll go commit Claypool, Man, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's It's a great question because I think you can look at it. I mean, there's no – I'm not putting Kareem four, and I'm not putting Komet first. So Komet, for me, I think you change your <laughs> – are you ranking them all two? I do. It's going to be a – this I is like that, when you're ranking in uh, the incoming classes. We have him too low. Okay. Oh, boy, put him ahead I would put <laughs> – I think I would go – does it really matter? It doesn't really matter. I, I think I would put Claypool one. I'd put Kareem two – I think I'd put Gilman three and Komet wow. four. Does that? No, I, I think the offense changes without Komet. They were well, love I mean, the 12 I'm not, package. I, I, no, I, I get it. I, I know how good he was, but I also think that Tommy Trumbull's a guy that's going to catch a ton of passes. Uh, I, you know, we don't know there's going to be a Claypool-type player. You know, see, here's the thing. with You, you lose Gilman, you say, well, you've got Hamilton, but you lose Gilman and Elliott. Right. So, I, I mean, that's I've got to put. Gilman is two for me. Yeah, and Kareem was. I think man, they're all Kareem. so big. The sky is just falling. It's really not, no. They're all very. They're all very important to the team. Kareem has the best backups for sure. Um, Claypool has an amazing talent behind him. Gilman leaves a, uh, a hole. 
Right now, Gilman leaves the hole. You could argue Gilman won if you wanted yeah, to factor right. his mentality into I, it. I am factoring that too. He's, it's a great question. Yeah. There's no, there's no definitive answer there. Those are, those are four really, really good players. <laughs> I chose Komet because I wrote about it in Monday Musings, and I think it changes the whole offense. But that's, uh, they're all bad, hard to replace. Okay, Wash ND, do you have any concern that Brian Kelly is reverting into old habits when it comes to a staff with the hiring of Jeff Quinn in 2018, the potential or, or even eventual promotion of Tommy Reese to OC, in the apparent interest in Mike Denbrock? I don't know about that. As the tight ends uh, offensive coordinator mentor to Reese, the offensive staff could look a lot weaker than it did in 2017. Well, it will. It's not could, it will. Um, well, they hire you, more. You don't Harry Heastand well, anymore. True. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. come on. Um, I don't know if it's like an old habits concern. Um, everybody, not everybody, but almost every hire, every coach makes is like, I'm familiar with this guy, um, and I've worked with him before. I know people I've worked with him before. That stuff's important. Yeah. It's like, those, that's called <laughs> that's called references? Chem- it's, it's called chemistry yeah. is what it's called. So, I, you know, old habits, like, not really, I guess. Um, you certainly would hope that some, some pretty hard lessons have been learned, which I think that Brian Kelly would say that they have been. You know, Mike, Mike Denbrock is, if Mike Denbrock's, Resume didn't include if he worked at Notre Dame only under like Weiss and Willingham, let's say, and didn't have a connection. If he didn't work at Grand Valley ever, I think we would probably have a more open mind to Mike Dembrock, which is kind of a dumb way to look at it. Um, he's just he's a good coach, but I think we've all written this in some way. The offensive coordinator position at Notre Dame, Chip Long wouldn't get it this time around because the stature of the program has been elevated so much in part by the work that Chip Long did. So you should you should be able to go higher on that um, than having to, like, look, okay, who have I worked with in the past? You, you should be able to, like, here are the top three guys out there. I'm going to interview all three, and if any of them are a match, boom, that's the guy I'm going to go with. I think we can answer this question if uh, he reverts to that habit. He hasn't done it yet. We don't know that he's just yeah, because I, these guys are candidate. I mean, Tommy Reese deserves to be a candidate. He knows everything about Tommy Reese, but I – we all have said, or I know Pete and I have written it, I think, Tim, you agree, that an outside hire with experience in play calling is prudent. And if it's Joe Moorhead, we all agree on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. I think that's preferred. I, but I think sometimes it's underestimated or underrated the importance of chemistry within a staff. You bring a new guy in, and every person on the offense has to adjust between now and next September. He clearly believes in chemistry on his staff. Yeah, and I and move. I I I think it's a it, it there's a very delicate balance there. I, to to just throw your hands up and say, "Oh, he's hiring another guy that he's familiar with." Well, there are benefits to that as well. I think everybody's focusing in on Jeff Quinn and has determined that he's not the right answer and therefore any other type hiring like that would be a mistake and I just don't I just can't blanketly agree with that. I think just from a management perspective, I think they would be better off hiring somebody from the outside who would have some new ideas who could push Absolutely. back against what's already on the Always good. Here. Because I don't really think that's probably what Denbrock is going to offer. Um, but somebody like Moorhead would be like, no, let's, well, you guys did it this way. Let's try it this way. Like, this way makes more sense. Here's why. And it, even if you end up sticking with what you did in, initially, it makes you sort of defend your position about, like, Okay, why did we always do it that way? Yeah. And then you think through it and get to the point of like, no, that actually works. You should you should feel better about your own system by having somebody come in and sort of audit. No, it. no matter who your offensive coordinator is, you should always be looking to see what's the next step. Yes, 
Always. Eddie Hebs 14, do you think Brian Kelly will go the co-offensive coordinator route? And if so, how does that usually work? Does one guy scheme the runs, other guy schemes passing? Does one or two call plays? It's not. When you hear, I just asked about this. When, when you hear run game coordinator and pass game coordinator and you think that they each do their own thing and then put, no. We're talking about titles, yeah. and, and, and we're talking about uh, raises, pay raises. And some guys are good at, when you're a co-op, some guys are really good at setting the practice structure schedule for the week. This is what we're going to get done. This is how we're going to get it done. This is what we have to do. Well, and that's, where, offense, Mike De- and that's yeah. where Mike Denbrock was really, really good. That's what Jeff Quinn did for Brian Kelly in Cincinnati, too. It's just I'm just saying, this is what people, like, he wasn't going to call a single play. Brian Kelly right. was calling the plays, but right. you... You know, it, it lightens a load a little bit yeah. when someone else, that's part of it. And But as you said, it's titles and money mostly. Yeah. And that, I mean, those roles that you're referencing now, those are Brian Kelly's jobs yeah. now. Yeah, he's, he's he doesn't need place. that. CMU Pens fan, who starts at linebacker in 2020 with Drew White and Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa? That's a good, that's Ooh. a fun pre spring question because we'll have better answers in the spring. I. I don't know. I don't either because I would have said Lamb had he finished the season without the hip injury. The hip injury is going to set him back. Um, no he, won't be able, he won't be able to practice in the spring, right. or at least not. And no surgery, though. That's a right. good thing. Uh, so that hurts him um, for winning a job, just starting the summer, basically. Do we know that for sure? I'm sorry, for keep, I keep interrupting. Do we know for sure he can't practice in the spring? I mean, I don't know. I was ready to take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Simon's not supposed to be able to practice in the spring. Yeah, he's definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the mat. I don't, I don't I think, know. I mean, I think, I think, right now, I would say Lamb, Awala, Simon. I wouldn't. I think Simon's really. Behind <laughs> no, I mean, right now. no, I know he is, oh, okay. but I'm saying by fall, are those the top candidates? Is Jordan Jen Markeith a realistic? Since he had, I, he found a role there, the goal line. Um, I'll say Moala. We have to guess a person. It's, I mean, it's we January, right? We have to guess can, one guy. I'll, I'll can, say Moala. Can Drew White and Bo Bauer play on the field at the same time? Probably not. I don't think so. It's not. I get, look, if you were interested in Jeremiah Wusukoromo as a buck, then that would probably a spring would be a good time to experiment with that because a lot of your other bucks are injured. So yeah, two two year candidates. Try that. Injured. Stick Paul Moala out there with the Wusukoromo. See if that works. If it works great, I think it doesn't. They, they at least the I think life. they at least try it. But Tim and I have talked about this a lot, and I, you know, the concern is, and I love the idea of moving JOK there, but you don't want him still adapting through the first five games of the season. He's such a good rover. It's probably um, his last year at Notre Dame anyway. He's such a good rover, and this is this is going way into detail, but when, when he could play rover next year, and Notre Dame doesn't have a nickel right now. They don't have a nickel on the yeah. roster right now. I mean, the, he was the nickel. He can be the nickel. He can be the nickel again. The it's like it's such a seamless thing to have him there and find a buck. Yeah, you know that's well. Clark Lee will figure it out because he's smarter than us about yeah. linebackers. But that's the way I. Uh, that's kind of how I look at that one. Club Fred ninety. In hindsight, should Troy Pride have stayed as the field corner this past season? He had a much better two thousand eighteen field corner versus his two thousand nineteen season at boundary corner. If you want to play two corners, then he had to move. Absolutely. Yeah, he would have been a better field corner. But sometimes, the other boundary might have been worse than him. That's the way you look at it. Well, some, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to play, you got to do what's best for the team, and that's what Troy Pride had to do. I don't, I still don't, I mean, I, you know, he, too many 50-50 balls were 90-10 balls, and I, it didn't, that doesn't. Yeah, he had a better year last year than he did this year. There's, <laughs> but I don't know if, I mean, Vaughn couldn't play boundary. We heard that from Light a long time ago. Well, you couldn't, and um, you couldn't put Crawford. You didn't know what you had, and you beat him up. He got beaten up, and Crawford's played them both, but that's when he was much healthier. I think it was two season-ending injuries ago. Yeah, I think Pride took one for the team, and his 
performance suffered a little bit. But they did have the fifth-ranked uh, pass efficiency defense of the country, so it worked out overall. Yes. BWAC 29, with Cole Komet leaving, and given his performance in the All-American game, do you think it's more likely Michael Mayer redshirts next year? The answer to that, by the way, is no. Or has <laughs> Kyle Hamilton-esque true freshman season? There, there's, Neither are likely. There's, there's no way that Michael Mayer redshirts next year unless there's an injury involved. I don't know. I mean, Hamilton was a freshman All-American, so I'm not sure that that is going to happen. But somewhere in between, probably leaning more towards the Kyle Hamilton-type performance. I wish Mayer was enrolling early among the... Early in release because I think that would help with the with Bayless and getting involved and yeah that's, that's a big I think one. he's gonna have a great career at Notre well, Dame yes, so but, but a Kyle Hamilton impact is I mean his first snap was a pick six <laughs> we in had him stadium. we had him the I'm sure you'll be close to Pete when we ranked him I had him the sixth or seventh best player on the team as a true freshman oh Hamilton Hamilton oh at postseason uh, postseason like that think about that. We had a, I had him lower. We, I think yeah, we had I had him, him seven. I think we had him ten. Top ten, ten player. Yeah, yeah I had him seven. Player, yeah. I had to move him down too to get him to seven. Yeah, so no, when I originally I, did it. it was... I, I got gotcha. you. I don't think you'll have to be worrying about moving him down next year. <laughs> Indy ten uh, twelve. Got to ask the obvious with Cole Komet announcing his intentions to enter the NFL draft. Is Michael Mayer the starting tight end against Navy in the season opener? No. Tremble's one of them. Uh, I really want them to be two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's not going to start. No. He's not going to. Um, but Brock Wright, you know, Brock, uh, I, Brock Wright, if he returns, is right at the forefront. Let's of say Brock all Wright doesn't return just for the sake of this quote. I think Brock Wright's going to return now because everything's opened. Let's say he doesn't for the point of this question. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're doing a 12 package against Navy, Brock Wright will be the blocking in line right. player. So let's say he's not. Do they end up going to three receivers again, even with the receiving situation? Yeah, I think they'll they'll flip back to their base personnel being eleven instead of twelve, which and it was really eleven this year anyway. It was just like twelve just worked better. More of a fifty fifty <laughs> yeah. or sixty forty vibe. Um, Do you have uh, you're not positive Brock Wright's returning? I'm not. We thought he was leaving up until the last two things that happened. Right, <laughs> right. And Cole Komet. I mean, that does open things up a little bit when that happens, and maybe it's not the number one consideration, but. Look, I think that's pretty important for yeah, Notre Dame to say he returns. Well, also to him, I mean, it's all of a sudden looks a little better, right? No matter what you're thinking, you mm-hmm. have to take pause for pause. You're like, hey, look, I'll be the starting tight end. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, if you're not targeted, you're not yeah, targeted. Right. So I, I guess I can understand where he's coming from. Jay Thunders uh, asks, while there are many reasons to be optimistic for 2020 following an 11-2 season, my main concern is a lack of proven playmakers on offense. How much production will be needed from Kevin Austin, Michael Mayer, and Chris Tyree for Notre Dame to be a legitimate playoff contender? An incredible amount, um, if we're talking about making the playoff. Like, is 10-2 and two a legitimate playoff contender? No. Like, if, if they are... Or, yeah, well, 10-1. and one If they have one loss plus. before Clemson, lose to Clemson, lose to USC, were they a legitimate playoff contender? No, but if they're undefeated playing Clemson. And lose no matter what, just undefeated playing clubs and you're a legitimate playoff contender because you beat Wisconsin and it's November seventh, so that's fair, right? Okay, I guess maybe we're yeah, that's kind of the same thing. But uh, Kevin Austin um, has to have a big year for anything. Any, yeah. I mean, he's the right. number one well, wide receiver. A, he has to have a right. Uh, we'll see what Skronik does, but yeah, Austin is uh, is he, a he penciled better, in. But no, Kevin no, Austin. Oh be no, absolutely, Skronik, he yeah. has to be. Michael Mayer is at worst your second best receiving tight end. Chris Tyree. Your second fastest player is is you know he's in the mix in the slot he's at at, at running back you know Braden Lindsey's kind of going to be important too and so is Lawrence Keys I mean we we always have a tendency to skip over guys I mean those are the guys you know Braden Lindsey has to step up 
as much as Kevin Austin too. But they will just they will need a large, large number of surprise seasons next year. Well, Xavier Watts. I, I think Xavier Huge Watts is number. a guy that can contribute right away. I think a good way of saying it, Pete, is they will need a lot of defensive, like this year's defense. Who are the best defensive players? Asmar Bilal, Drew White, Jeremiah Ushukoromoa. They need that on offense. You don't always get that many MTA, surprises. MTA, <laughs> like yeah. all yeah. of them. Deji. Jameer Jones. Like, yes, all of them. Yeah. Now it's got to go to the you, offense. You need five of those stories on offense, and it's hard to pick out the five guys who would do it. That's why I commit number one, standing by me. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Johnson could right. be there. Um, you know, I mentioned Wilkins before me. It's a guy that's been in the program. You would expect him to step up in the spring. It would be time, right? I mean, it's always these soft tissue injuries, Brian Kelly says, but... Yeah, he's got to have a great spring. So what's our – I mean, we obsessed about linebacker for eight months. Is it going to be – will it be receivers that that we're – Gosh, it's so hard to tell in the spring a wide receiver because you know who's going to look good? The wide receivers in the spring. Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay Uh, are going to get open for Ian Book, and they're going to have a good spring against K.J. Wallace, Cam Hart, Isaiah Rutherford. They're going to be rolling these guys in and out, and they're going to look good. Well, Kendall Abdur-Rahman – you know that that's a, a a name you completely forget because there was there was no way he was going to play in 2019. Right. I feel like Tyree. No, I just want to throw just, the name. No, out there. I'm with just you. A, yeah. You know. but when you add Tyree to the mix, he's like the new guy. Even right. though Abdul Rahman's been there, it's right. Uh, USA on Brooksy with Tony Jones leaving. Who becomes the starting running back next year? I mean, it's going to be Jafar Armstrong against Navy, right? Unless he's the slot ish guy. I thought he would yeah. still be running back though. You're slot, right. He's slot. Still. Slash had Darby. Tony Jones returned, you could have had a little bit more flexibility with Armstrong. But but you're pro- you're going to have to anyway. He's a receiver. You should be able, he should be able to naturally just get a little bit of work at slot, and be a guy that can help you. It's a running back that he needs he needs the work. You know he, what? He I'll can't say it's, move now. Can I say it's not him? You're going to say Sebo Flemish? I'm just saying it's not him. Like the instead field. of instead of I'll take the field yeah, okay. instead of taking the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, I, I would take Sebo and even the freshman. I think there was a lot. There was enough in that we saw from Sebo Flemister this year that tells you, or that that pushes you in a direction. You know what? He might be he, he might be the guy this year. G Man thirty four ten is Chris Tyree to Armando Allen a fair comparison? Pre broken ankle, yes. Definitely not post broken ankle though. There yeah. was Armando Allen was damaged goods when he came to Notre Dame. It was a shame. It was. He had very poor balance um, at Notre Dame. I don't know if it had anything to do with it. We used to joke about the 25-yard limit. If every time he'd break in the second level, he'd fall, Um, which is a horrible thing for a running back to do. Just terrible. (laughs) It's just an awful trait. I'm not not sure what athlete it's good at after 25 yards he falls down. It's it's worse than a spit net, for crying out loud. No, he he had a good senior year until he got hurt. I'm sorry, junior year, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's a shame we never saw that because, man, his senior high school film before his injury was, which is, or it was fast. more his junior film. Yeah, really. it was junior, junior yeah. film. I think Tyree's speed though is more than Armando had. Tyree's suddenness is ridiculous, and I and it and his his change of direction is ju- is more sudden. I mean, it's just it's it's hummingbird lightning quick, and he doesn't fall every time he hits and the he second does, level. Not yet, he hasn't. <laughs> TD Jesus nine zero two one zero. Very interested to hear the staff's take on the South Bend Tribune article about Brian Kelly's lack of involvement in the recruiting of Lathan Ransom and Jalen McMillan. I wasn't surprised, um, and I thought it was pretty dead on. Yeah, Tom, had, in his um, backstory that always comes out on the 2020 class, yeah, he had yeah. mentioned that you guys, that Kelly had to be more involved in, and they were in there. Um, Jalen McMillan, I know, was yeah. drove parts of the staff nuts that, like, 
why can't we get the head coach to go after this guy harder? So what's the take? The take is that that's is that the difference? Oh, well, it's actually coming up. Andy Squid's question. We can, we can probably lead into it right now, turn into one. Andy Squid 23, Brian Kelly thinks Notre Dame can recruit top five classes. What specific change does he or you envision for the recruiting operation? Do those include BK's own approach? Seem to remember Kelly got feedback from the team after the 16th season that they wanted him to be more involved with them. Sounds like these recruits had similar feedback. So we're still we're answering the second the first question. What's the reaction now? Is that part of it? Is that part of getting better? It better be. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get to top five. Um, you will need other parts of the infrastructure to be strengthened to get there. But that this it's the easiest thing to do to move. Notre Dame up because I, we've all spent time around Brian Kelly in small settings. He's really, really good. Yeah, in those spots, he's better in small settings. Actually, he's really good. Um, I understand that he doesn't like pandering to high school kids, but that's part of the job. So if if he can do that, if he can get more involved in recruiting, uh, I think it would be a huge benefit to Notre Dame. I he doesn't like pandering to his current players, let alone some that haven't. To, to, and I get God, I totally I get that. I really do. I, um, I think that again. I, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but we're hearing one side of the story, and I and I and I'm not doubting the the authenticity of what Ransom and McMillan are saying. If they're saying it, they're saying it. But the 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 reaction is that he doesn't work hard at all, and that's that's not the case either. I mean, he works a billion hours, and he needs to work a billion and a half. I get that. Yeah, I think that it. He doesn't need to do anything differently if being top 10 to 15 is where you want to be. We're just talking about if you want to be top five, you have to be as ruthless in recruiting as Saban, Day, Orgeron, the, that level of coach. Why do you think he wouldn't? Why do you think he wasn't? Because that's the real question, right? Why, if you have a chance at Jalen McMillan, don't you just Because I, to I mean, I just think that sometimes there's, a, there's, a, there's just a... You're, you guys are going to shoot me down here, but I mean, I just think that it. it I asked the question. It's fine. No, I know. I mean, I just think that there's a there's a limit to. Should he work? Should he work eighteen hours a day every day? I just think that there's a limit sometimes. That's all. I, I'm not sure. I'm I just, not justifying it. Jalen McMillan wouldn't be my. Oh, that's my limit. I no, I you agree. I, and, and for me, I, I Lathan, that's not where you hit the limit. Oh. For me, Lathan Ransom. And Correct. I, um, Phillips, the corner. Right. I and mean, although that wasn't all his, that certainly wasn't all his fault. Yeah. No, I just, I just know that from Notre Dame's own staff, they've there's a feeling that if Brian Kelly was more involved in recruiting, and they found different ways to get him more involved in recruiting, like what did they do two years ago? Instead of having him send sort of ghost DMs, they spent time like, okay, let's have more one-on-one time in the office with Brian Kelly. That worked. I thought that was a that was a good move. He, he does need to do, I think he can do both. He can be involved in phone calls uh, and building relationships there. And he can do the one-on-one stuff in the office. Does he have to work hard? Yes. Is he making six-plus million dollars a year? <laughs> also, yes. Uh, and, and ultimately, it's like, do you want Notre Dame to be a top-five class or not? This is a big... This this is this can be the difference. Do you think that when, when you... I wasn't there yet. Tim wasn't there yet. When you... No, I was there. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, uh, (laughs) that was the most interesting quote of the entire calendar year. So, do you think when uh, what we're talking about is he in in Orlando? We're in Camping World Bowl on 
Thursday, and he just volunteers this information that we can be a top five recruit. Do you think he was referring to the fact that he has to do more? Is that what you no. think? <laughs> no, I don't think that's, well, that's what he, I don't think that's, that's what he a, meant at all. Then that's a problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that in the overall sort of autopsy of where Notre Dame is as a recruiting department, somebody's got to say, like, look, we need you to be, we don't need you to spend 20 hours a week on recruiting, but we need some more time no, you're from right. you. And, I'm not, and I don't want to, please, I'm not justifying losing these guys because you didn't make a couple phone calls. you got to go the extra mile. And look, it's probably, uh, it's not as simple as a couple phone no, calls. No, of course not. We all right. know that. Uh, of, of course not. But it's a tent. It's paying it. Feel, it's feeling wanted. Whatever you can do to make it feel wanted. Yeah. The, so yeah. you got to, you got to do that. And there's a, Niles Morgan is a great example of this because in 2013, Notre Dame was dire. Just imagine Niles. Remember Niles Morgan, the recruit, not the the player at Notre Dame. This is like a four, four, five star. He was a five star. Four star in other places. Notre Dame loses its area recruiter in Chuck Martin and its linebacker coach in Bob Yacco. What does Brian Kelly do? He's like, screw it. I'm getting this guy. And he got him. And Niles Morgan was not an easy guy to sort of get to know. Um, So it sort of gets back to like, I think Brian Kelly can be really good in this space. You probably need some no. some direction and, and, to get there. And these were, you know, Ransom and McMillan are total needs. Total needs. Not only great players, but at positions where you really needed to finish. And so he's got to be able to do that. So can I tell a uh, related story that will never apply other than right now? Yes, sir. So this is the opposite take. This is, the, <laughs> this is kind of funny. It, it goes with the Brian Kelly involvement. So the 2013 class, okay. There's a player that's going to announce on scout.com that day. And they do they do end up getting him. So he is apparently, I get a phone call from a one of the local scout reporters there that, that covered him. He's like, hey, man, can you get me in touch with anybody on the staff? I really don't have a number for anybody on the staff. Like, sure. Then the, then the person is like, I don't want to make this phone call myself. Can you relay the message? I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Here we go. It is, please have... Position coach, I won't say the name, stop calling and texting this player. He is extremely <laughs> creeped out by the fact that they won't leave him alone. He loves Brian Kelly because Kelly's really laid back and chill about recruiting. <laughs> and Some, then six years later, I heard this story. Yeah, that's really it's funny. all about figuring out what, yeah. which recruit the... need, needs which treatment. He's like, quit not, contacting me. <laughs> not, not every, obviously, not every recruit is like turned off by Brian Kelly only talking to him a handful of no, times. No, this one wanted it. They it, signed a top 10 class with that approach. But if there's a ransom or McMillan where your area recruiter says, "Look, coach, we we need I need you I need you more involved in this," then Brian Kelly's got to be like, "Great, what if, let's do it? What do I need? What and do a, I need to do?" And a kicker is one of those people is exceptionally famous right now. But we'll move on. Yeah. All right, we're gonna. Here's a question about Clemson LSU, but we can talk about that next Monday. Um, all right, last question because our first segment was really long. Uh, from James Murphy, do you think Notre Dame can average seven? In the final recruiting rankings for 2021 to 24, without significant help in the admissions office. Yes. Yeah, I don't think the admissions office has a damn thing to do with anything. I, well, I mean, the, up, up to a point. I mean, they can they can recruit the way they're recruiting right, right now. They are, they are a lot more flexible than people think. Um, probably more flexible than they need to be because the guys that they get in at sort of the back end often don't work out. Uh, I also think with Stanford really spiraling the drain right now. That's one or two guys that would have been looking there that are now looking at you. Um, it's Notre Dame football is like the market is 
very bullish on Notre Dame right now in terms of the wins and its rivals not looking so good. Back-end guys that might not work out should never be three stars either. Also true. Yeah. You know, look, never if, if you want to take a chance on Aaron Lynch, 100 times out of 100, Absolutely. you should do it. All with you. Justin Ferguson, no. Rashad Kinlaw, probably not. Nope. Okay. Just throwing some names. <laughs> All right. That's it. Uh, we have more names. Should we say more yeah. names? Oh, my God. We ran, we ran really long again. All right. We're at it, man. We're going to come back. Uh, uh, we're, we're scheduled for Mondays now moving forward. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletes.